to the Big Finish sales event going on now at Bettenhausen Jeep on 159th Street in Tinley Park. Bettenhausen has hundreds of new Jeeps to choose from, including the all-new 2022 Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. Your best Jeep buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCDJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show. On Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. 100.3 HD2. And the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Ah, nothing says Christmas like a little Eddie money. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas and welcome to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. With Brian Hanley, I'm Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year to you, Pat. Same to you. Um, you've got a huge family. Yes. How many brothers and sisters? Eight brothers and sisters. Uh, what? What is the plan well, and, and, and are you kind of like the NHL? You, you might yes. have to pause something. Yeah, here. it's uh, usually with Christmas Eve, we all get together with uh, all the families get together and makes for a full house of 50 or more people with all the nieces and nephews. And yeah, game time decision tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so as we tape this here on a Thursday uh, before Christmas Day, it's uh, it's like everything else. And you just mentioned it, the league, the NHL decided Let's just take an extended break and, and regroup and come back after the uh, holiday. They uh, 50 games have been postponed so far, 45 in the last nine or ten days. Uh, so the, the Hawks did not play two games this past week. And, um, you know, they, the NHL really values the Winter Classic, mm-hmm. and they were worried about losing that day and uh, all the financial reasons and the the network obligations and just the attention it draws yes i mean boy the last the last one they had was just stunning the whole backdrop right oh and uh, tahoe yeah like tahoe but then we had the it was take two yeah right yeah. right we had some issues with yeah. the, the start with the time sun. the glare yeah. Yeah. you know they've had a couple paused because of glare uh but yeah so this year it's going to be uh, the Minnesota Wild taking on the St. Louis Blues, and uh, it there's several games that day, including the Blackhawks play in Nashville that day. So they don't want to lose that date. So it's going to be interesting to see next week if indeed the Blackhawks play those games, or if you know now that they're not going to the Olympics and they'll use part of that three week uh, hiatus that they had uh, planned for the Olympic break. I would assume at least a couple of those weeks will be used to make up these 50 postponed games so far. Want to get all teams in, get their 82 games in, right? So, yeah, unfortunately for those who are Olympic fans and and for people like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, now Taves probably wasn't going to be it, but Kane in particular wanted to be one of the elder statesmen on on this Olympic team and kind of, you know, initiate the younger stars of the league as they move into the Olympics. Um, not going to happen. I'm not crushed by it. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, this thing is taken off in what? Basically a week and a half? Yeah. Not even. I mean, maybe a week. It, it would, within 72 hours, the, the sports world changed. And, and here we go again. This, this Omicron is just everywhere and it's spreading, what, doubling every two or three days. 
So the the players collectively bargained to be able to go to the the Winter Olympics, and I mean they look they send 120 of the top NHL players over in this case to Beijing and play this tournament, and it's a big stage and it grows the sport, and you know they're looking to find different ways to you know make these players household names, and that stage. Uh, it, it and it's produced like Vancouver that that in 2010 was fantastic. Yeah. U.S. versus Canada for the gold, and you know Sidney Crosby scoring the golden goal. And over, I mean, you, you can't. It was perfect. Scripted things. Per- right. yeah. yeah, Sochi was was interesting as well. Look, you know, it, it, you're not going to lose any sleep over them not playing. But like you listen to Patrick Kane, and you could tell that he. He really wanted to go. This is Patrick Kane on on not going to the Olympics uh, in Beijing here in a couple of weeks. Well, I mean, it's just uh, it's just a tough situation for everybody, right? I mean, you're excited to to be able to get the chance to represent your country. You know, obviously, I'm 33 right now, so um, you're hoping that you can uh, obviously play as many as possible, but. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if it really would have been like a true Olympic experience this year with, you know, being in a bubble and, and, uh, you know, all the, the worries going over there. So we'll kind of see what happens right now, but you know, definitely fortunate to play in, in Sochi and, uh, you know, Vancouver was just unbelievable. I don't think if it, I don't think the Olympic experience is going to be, you know, even close to comparable to what we had there in 2010. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but, um, you know, always want to represent your country anytime you get, get a chance. And, uh, I felt like I, I would have had a chance to be in like a leadership role this year. So it would have been fun to play with a lot of, you know, younger players, some, some great players around the league. So, um, uh, yeah, I guess we'll kind of see how it unfolds here. Definitely can tell he's disappointed. He was looking forward to playing with Austin Matthews and Alex DeBrinkett, who was going to get the the nod for the first time in the Olympics. We were going to see players like Sidney Crosby uh, and Connor McDavid play together. They met this past summer and worked out together, <laughs> and by all accounts, it was magic on the ice. Can you imagine? So, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, who's to say that in four years – that Sidney Crosby is, you know, going to still want to go to the Olympics. And Patrick's or, thirty-seven at that point. Yeah. I know he he floated the idea and spent floated before to move the um, hockey portion of the Winter Olympics to the Summer Games. It doesn't seem like it's in in a realistic stage of even people talking. Or it's it's just well, why can't we do that so you don't pause the season and you know the players probably say, well, I'd like to be in the Olympics, but they probably like their off-season just fine. Sure, too, right? and I asked him directly the other day when we, we had the Zoom, would you be opposed to it? He said he wasn't, yeah. wouldn't be opposed to it. He he understands, um, you know, this guy's just the ultimate competitor, and again, it would, uh, it would take away a few weeks in July. You know, the beauty of this was you pause the season, and these players are all going over to Beijing in top form as far as conditioning wise there's no rust now if they move this to the summer games obviously these guys would tr- be trying to enjoy as much of the summer of, as they can their off season and then all of a sudden you know first week in july they're ramping up uh, camp and then they're in you know the, the host city postseason runs yeah you know, that's for, that's for true the, too yeah. so and, and here's patrick on 
guys like Alex DeBrickett and Seth Jones not getting an opportunity to participate for the first time in the Olympic Games? Both those guys are just having amazing years and uh, um, would definitely help out the U.S. team a lot. I mean, Seth is just uh, an unbelievable player. Um, I knew he was a good player, but he's kind of exceeded my expectations as far as like his all-around game and what he brings to the team when he's on the ice, how he moves the puck up the ice from the defensive zone, um, how he jumps in the play, pretty much everything. But he's been incredible for us. And uh, the Brinkat, he was, uh, you know, kind of a guy I was uh, looking forward to maybe even playing with over there. And, um, yeah, I really like uh, playing with him and enjoy being on the ice with him. He would have helped our team a lot over there too. Um, So, uh, I just think in general, you know, for USA hockey, we would have put together a pretty competitive team. Um, and that's disappointing. I don't think that'll change four years from now, but just would have been fun to have that opportunity to see what we can do and, uh, um, uh, kind of welcome the next generation of, of USA hockey players in and, uh, uh, be able to be a part of that. So Kane won't participate in his third Olympics and, uh, he's going to hang here over the uh, the Christmas break in Chicago with his uh, his son, who's just a year and a couple of months, so maybe Santa drops by a pair of Bauer skates and uh, <laughs> you know get him started early, stick and uh, we'll, we'll get him ready to go. Um, you know, Seth Jones. He brings up Seth Jones, yeah. and it took him uh, a little bit to get going. Whether it was the Jeremy Colleton effect or not, or experiences you said last week. Um, but how good has he been? And now clocking in third most minutes, ice minutes in the league, and on pace for 62 points for the season, which would be his career high. So, I mean, not only has have you seen what kind of player he is and how talented he is, he's earning his money. I mean, he's, he's out on the ice uh, more than most, and... Um, He's starting to show up on the score sheet on a regular basis. No, and, and when you hear praise like that from Kane saying he's exceeded my expectations, and let me tell you, Patrick was well aware of Seth. They were you know, in the same division at times uh, when he was with Nashville. Uh, he knew a lot about him, but then when you're practicing and playing with him every day and you have that appreciation of him playing uh, in all instances, p- penalty kill, power mm. play, uh, you get a different appreciation of just how much ice time this guy takes up and, and really how he helps this offensively challenged team. I mean, imagine where they would be uh, without all of his, you know, 20 assists. You know, speaking of offensively challenged, I mean, it, it, we've talked about throughout this season because the goal differential was very stark under Colleton. It's been much better. It's actually plus five under Derek King. Dominic Kubalik. I mean, it's almost Amber Alert time for him, too, right? Yeah. He, so we've seen guys like Jonathan Taves be in a drought. Mm-hmm. You now he's had three goals in five games. So maybe that Patrick has two goals in his last 19. So, uh, yeah. And, and Kubalik is, is certainly a part of that equation. Uh, but so is pretty much everybody. But you, know? yeah, but you need, you know, there were certain guys going in the season you thought, Okay, here's what you can count on, and hopefully even more from guys like Dominic Kubalik. What do you and, and yeah, and Kirby Doc would be another one that you kind of you're like, okay, he's going to either be the number one center or the number two center, and right. he's going to play a lot. 
and he's going to be on the first power play unit, and he's probably going to end up around 25, or at least you're hoping, 25 goals or more. And Now you just notice him going to the penalty box. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, even with Patrick Kane, we talked about it at length uh, last week. He talked about this week trying to refine his finishing touch. You know, again, I, I said you need to start shooting more in order to to start scoring more. And I know he's been the primary assist guy for Debrinket, which is terrific. But you know, Jonathan Taves has talked about getting his confidence back with this five point uh, this the five game streak that he has, which is terrific. But I mean, it's also kind of scary when Jonathan Taves is talking about lack of confidence, and and Patrick's talking about a lack of finishing touch. Yeah, and and we're we'll hear from both of them. Kane talks about you know losing. The the uh, the scoring touch, yeah. and and Taves was asked directly, "What percent are you right now?" As we hit the pause, and Johnny gives a real long answer, but it, it leads you to believe, like, okay, they're still unsure of of just how much he can produce in a season where now we're going to have even more games. Added to the schedule, and he's talking about energy level. So that's coming up next. It's the Hockey Show, the Christmas Day edition on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. It's the Hockey Show on Christmas Day. Moving on here on ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you. Thanks to our great sponsor, Bettenhausen uh, in Tinley Park. Get out there. If uh, Santa didn't get you what you wanted, maybe <laughs> maybe you can throw a bow on a on a nice Jeep Grand Cherokee or something like that. I, I, mine's seven years old, so if you're it's thinking about replacing it, I'm all for it. Pat. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll work on that for you. <laughs> Uh, let's get back to the dialogue about where Kane and Taves are at here with this Christmas pause. And uh, we, we talked about, you know, now Patrick is still right around a point-per-game producer because he's assisting all the time. How about the, the stat that he's assisted on 10 of Debrinket's goals and all of them primary. are primary yeah, assists? Yeah. We got Charlie Romeliotis, the uh, NBC Sports Chicago insider, coming up. He did a piece... Uh, 40 stats at the Christmas break. They're in-depth stuff, really good stuff. So get so, to the NBC Sports Chicago website and read it. I mean, it it crystallizes the season in so many different ways, pro and con, individually and team-wise. I mean, it's it's a very well thought out. I mean, all the stats are, are compelling and relevant, right? That yeah. he came up with. And we'll get into some of those with Charlie coming up. Uh, so the, the one that stands out when you talk about Patrick is is two goals in his last 19 games. Mm. So he was asked is, if the pause is coming a, at a good time while being in a scoring drought. Sometimes when it's like that, you want to keep playing and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, figure it out before you go into a break. But, um you know, I think the biggest thing for me is like, like you said, I'm getting chances, and uh, I think for whatever reason, the past little while, my finishing touch has kind of abandoned me, and I'm just maybe overthinking a little bit. But um, 
you know, just got to play on instinct, trust yourself. And, uh, you know, I know like I feel good shooting in practice, you know, my body feels good. And, uh, like I said, uh, feel like, um, I'm creating a lot, especially with, uh, with the brink at, and, um, you know, just, uh, try to bail it out here. And hopefully, uh, when you come back from the break, just kind of, you know, get hot, especially, um, you know, I think the team's playing really well. So I think, uh, you know, if I can start doing what I do best and, uh, creating and scoring and, uh, taking advantage of my chances, I think it's going to help us a lot, obviously down the stretch. Kane with seven goals and 18 assists in 26 games. So he's got the 25 points in 26 games, but that shooting per seven percentage is at 7.4. Yeah, I brought it up last week because it's on on pace for a career low. I think one other season did he have seven and change as a shooting percentage. I really thought we'd see him generating more opportunities against Dallas after we had our show last week. And the team as a whole ends up with 17 scoring chances, fewest generated this season. I know it was second of back-to-back, but I really thought, because Derek King said, you know, all we can do is keep, you know, kind of begging him to start shooting the puck more and control them and do everything. And that night they came out and generated very little. Yeah, and, you know, Patrick did say the other day, he's like, look, I'm getting pretty much a breakaway a game. Yep. And he usually cashes in. We see his success in the shootouts. Uh, but somehow it's just not translating. What did you make of this tactic that Derek King is using when he starts the three on three overtime with DeBrinket, Kane, and Seth Jones? So no true centerman taking the draw. And we've back in the day when it was Taves would take the draw. There were times the other team never touched it, right, never touched right. the puck. They're almost playing now to to counter with an odd man rush the other way and that's why you've got Patrick and and Alex out there together it's it's a it's a different philosophy yeah it's thinking outside the box for yeah. sure um I, and it worked the first six times they yeah. they were 6 and 0 in games beyond regulation now they've lost their last two this way yeah and i love when they say you know we're team tailor made for for shootouts well <laughs> that, that may be true and accurate but it's a hell of a way to go into a kind of have that mindset boy if we get to that shootout we're good as gold yeah. put that one in we get that extra point i mean it, it just for for you to get into that situation takes a lot of uh, hoop jumping, and right? it doesn't help the Blackhawks who dug themselves such a huge hole, especially when they're taking on teams in the West th- to have that extra third point out there. Right. So they're not making up ground. They're if they they get that second point, they're only making up one point on that. So they got to win in regulation. Um, Speaking of shootouts, the all-time NHL leader in shootout goals is Jonathan Taves. He was asked, what percent are you at taking in that you didn't play last year, you're coming back from uh, various ailments off the ice, and you know where's your energy level at? What percent would you put yourself at right now at the pause? I mean, yeah, that's a... Uh, you can't really put a number on that. I think uh, you look around your locker room and there's... First of all, there's guys that uh, are always playing through something. So, um, you know, as I mentioned to you guys before, when we kind of touched on this subject, uh, to me, it's it's uh, a challenge that I have to work through, but not necessarily something I, I allowing myself to use in it as an excuse. Um, you know, every time you touch the ice with your your team, with your teammates, there's expectations, and and uh, you got to kind of just. Um, you know, check yourself at the door on the way into the locker room. So, 
Uh, having said that, you know, I think uh, your mind has certain expectations for yourself. I know I haven't quite been there. Um, so just trying to work, work back to where I can go out there and play with energy and have fun and, and find some creativity, uh, especially offensively in my game. And I feel that's slowly coming, but, uh, you know, just trying to work, work through to the point where I have energy to, to be able to play that, that heavy two-way hockey. Well, he's scored three goals now in the last four games, so maybe some of that touch is is beginning to come back for him. But you look at it; we're thirty games in. He's played; he's played in all of them, so that that is something because we didn't. You know, he was at the set at the beginning of the season. This is a day to day, week to week type not, of thing. Not sure what what what's going to happen here. So you know, he plays, but there's fifty two to go, and you know there's going to be four in six days and and three games in in four nights like those are going to be happening as the NHL tries like every other league to get their regular season in and, and get all the revenue in that they possibly can i was going to ask this to him this is this is the the issue with zooms like back when you were on the beat and pre covid we could come up to a player's stall and a sensitive subject like I, I was going to pose to him, hey, if you're questioning your, you know, your energy level now, on the back end of this season, there, it's going to be truncated, and there's going to be a lot of games in a short period of time. I know it's taboo to talk about, you know, uh, load management like the NBA does, but I think it's a realistic question. And if you looked at this, the the schedule, and there were let's say three games in four nights, but you thought, look. I'll play the first game, take the second one off, play and and play the third and my game would be raised and I would be more productive. I don't think that'd be the and then and then give an opportunity to somebody else to to jump in there and maybe their fresh legs uh take advantage of filling in for taves. Now again, I know that's not in the DNA of a hockey player. No, I was going to say, in the NBA, you see the blowback. It's like, well, well I bought tickets because LeBron was going right, to be in town. Right. LeBron's taking a, a you know physical health day or whatever. He's not showing up. I mean, he's going to be on the bench. So you have all that, but that has become the norm in the NBA, right? I mean, everyone's doing it. We see in hockey, boy, someone takes 20 stitches and comes back and, you know, gets the next shift yeah. when he's available. It's, uh, But he did talk about this double-edged sword now. He's getting his confidence back. He's going to appreciate the break to get some conditioning in, and and he talked about taking care of his body and and everything else. But he was kind of you know at maybe the cost of keeping of of being hot, right? I mean, right. all of a sudden everything's rolling for him, or it's starting to anyway. And as much as he appreciates the the pause because he can take a little physical break, mental break, whatever, um, you know, there's, he said it might take a couple games to restart the engine coming back. And uh, when. When they do come back, again, they still have a huge... I mean, they're still 10 points out mm-hmm. of that second wild card spot. So even the fact that they have played much better under Derek King, they still haven't made up much ground in the standings. No, I think they've lost a few points uh, in, and since we've been monitoring it because of the, the start. Derek King you know, got the team started to win again. And as you said, they're competing. Even when they're going down two, three goals... They have fight to get back in and make it even, you know, e- either even up the game or, or you know, certainly keep it within a possession or a goal. So, but that that hole they dug so deeply early on, it's they need every point available. So, coming up next, we've got NBC Sports Chicago's 
Blackhawks insider Charlie Romeliotis. He did a 40 stats that, as you said, Brian, crystallizes kind of where this Blackhawks team is at right now at the Christmas break. We'll talk to Charlie coming up next on The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. Listen on the new ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you. Hope you're having a great Christmas. Hope you're enjoying family and friends. And uh, doing it safely and healthy. Joining us now, the Blackhawks insider at NBC Sports Chicago. He's Charlie Romeliotis. How was uh, how did Santa treat you, Charlie? Yes, Merry Christmas to you, boys. I hope you uh, guys are having a good holiday. Um, Santa has always been nice to me at the Romeliotis household, and uh, it's funny too because our, our parents grew up. Uh, I'm, a, I'm one of three. I'm a triplet, so my wow. four parents have. Yep, my my poor parents have had to try to shop for three kids all at once, same age. So kudos to the Rumeliotis parents. <laughs> Did Santa leave you 40 stats for the Blackhawks? Because we were talking about how compelling those stats are. And really, uh, both individually and collectively, how they crystallize the season pro and con. Yeah, I was trying to, it was a fun piece to do. I was trying to put together a, a story that could live into the holiday break and I think I, I set out to, to try to find 50 stats, and then I, I approached 40, and I'm like, I think I'm going to cap it here because I think the other 10 will just probably be fill-in stats. So it was a fun little piece to do, some, some research obviously involved. And um, I tried to include both the good and the bad, right? Obviously, um, there were some pretty noteworthy positive stats, but there, there are some challenging stats in there, obviously, where the Blackhawks are at in the standings going into that break. Yeah, you look at the goal differential 5-on-5 five five in the 12 games under Jeremy Colleton. It was minus 25. There are plus 5 in the 18 games under Derek King, uh, goal differential 5-on-5. Five five. One that you know struck me was, you know, we talk about how this team is offensively challenged. The Hawks are 29th in slot shots per game. 31st in shots on goal per game at just 26. 31st in shot attempts at 53.6 shot attempts per game. I mean, that pretty much tells the story of how anemic this offense has been. Yeah, when you look at the the Jeremy Colleton, those first 12 games, and, and then Derek King when he took over, you can see some discrepancies like, the special teams have obviously taken a step back, or the defense has really tightened up those high-danger chances. But that's the one area that, that on offense, those, they're not getting the inner slot shots and the slot shots, and even the shot attempts. Like That has stayed pretty consistently at the bottom of the league. And, and one of the stats that, is, that really kind of jumped out to me when I was doing this piece was the, the rush chances against. Like That was something the Blackhawks were terrible the first month of the season. I think they were the bottom at the bottom five. I want to say when Jeremy Colleton got fired, they were like 29th in the league. They are now ninth in the league in that department in rush chances against. So that that's really been a positive step forward, Pat. But yeah, on, on offense, like that, the, the slot shots, the inner slot shots, that's something that it 
on on defense they're doing a great job of preventing, but on offense they're not getting to those areas. And that's the thing, Charlie, because you know it's like they did triage and they said we have to shore up the defense first because we're out chanced, out high danger chance every night. I mean we're we're not scoring the first goal in pretty much every game, and they've corrected that to to some degree. But the other stat offensively that jumped out at me, following up what Patches brought to the table, and that you wrote, only three have positive goal differential five on five, and it's not the three. Not, not if, 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 if you put a gun in my head and said, come up with the three, the, the, these would be the last three I'd come up with. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, too, because two of those names, uh, Slavin and Caleb Jones, they, they barely played in a ton of games this year, so it's kind of the numbers are skewed. And the one guy, Eric Gustafson, is on that list, plus two. But I, I will say... You know, a big reason when I was doing this research as well, Eric Gustafson, he was the number one guy in offensive zone start. So he has he has those numbers skewed a little bit in his favor because he's not taking many defensive zone draws. Charlie Romeliotis joins us on the hockey show on ESPN 1000. You can check out his work at NBC Sports dot com and the My Teams app. Um, so the positives in, in the first 30 games, Alex DeBrinket certainly has been fantastic. You know, Kane is is a point per game guy, but the two goals in the last nineteen is is a bit of a head scratcher. Uh, what did you take from the conversation we had with Kane and Taves the other day when uh, when Patrick talked about kind of where his game is at and maybe the you know losing some of that that uh, that scoring touch? Yeah, you can tell the break came at a difficult time for him. Like he was somebody that talked about. Um, you know, Jonathan, obviously, he's in a different situation where the goals are starting to come, the offense is starting to come, and, you know, selfishly for him, he said, mentally and physically, I can give my body a break going into the break. But Patrick Kane, like, he's a guy where he hasn't fallen the back of the net a ton, and his shooting percentage is on pace to be a career low, which was that, ironically, last year. And you know that he's hungry to kind of turn that around. Like, he doesn't he's not a guy that wants to take a mental break off from the game. Like he want, he's a guy that wants to get right back out um, onto the ice and try to fix that. So, you know, Pat, I, I don't know how much is, you know, that undisclosed injury is, is um, hampering him. It, like the fact that he finished with a career low shooting percentage last year, and then that's carried over into this season, you know, it makes me feel like this is a larger sample size now where it wasn't just a one-off. Like you wonder, you know, what's going on there and, um, I know he's setting up Alex Dabrinkin, and he's got a, a ton of those primary assists, but I'm sure it's really frustrating for him personally not to be in that goal column. So where's the offense going to come from uh, after the holiday break here? It has to get appreciably better. We were talking about you know being 10 points out of the last wild card spot, and it's great they're competing, and they, they look like they belong most nights. But 42 goals, 5-on-5, five five, and only the Islanders have fewer, uh, and, and that's because they've played four fewer games and they have 38. Um you know, Kubalik, Kirby Doc, you can go up and down, and, and, you know, Kane needs to start finding the back of the net. Where, where's it come? Is it, is it got to be Derek King's system and, and strategy, or is it just guys, you know, individually and collectively have to start playing closer to what we expect them to? Yeah, well, it, very clearly, the, the offense, it needs to, there needs to be some secondary scoring, right? But I don't think this Blackhawks team is going to win many games 4-3, 5-4, right? Like, they're a very low scoring, uh, which is really ironic, too, because when Jeremy Carlton took over, like, they were so porous defensively that they're like, well, we're going to have to win games 6-5 and run and gun with teams because that's their only way to win. And it's like the script has flipped under under Derek King. They know they have to win those 2-1 games in order to win. 
Now, obviously at the break, Jonathan Taves and Dominic Kubelik, they were starting to slowly find the back of the net, so you hope that that will continue when um, game action does resume. But I, I think, honestly, the power play just needs to get going, too. Like, when the 5-on-5 five five, uh, scoring isn't there, you kind of look to your power play to generate some momentum, and they haven't even been able to get some momentum off of that since um, Derek King took over. So I think that's really compounded the, the offensive scoring struggles when they're not scoring with the man advantage. So I think if you get some power play, you know, start moving closer to the middle of the pack, then maybe the five-on-five five, um, confidence will start to come there offensively. The NHL announced that they will not be going to Beijing for the uh, Winter Olympics to participate. Uh, so that uh, gives the NHL schedule maker some opportunity over the three weeks that they had originally hit the pause button on the NHL season to make up some of these 50 postponed games. And, and even next week, like, you know, there's no guarantee that the, that the Hawks are going to play in Winnipeg on Wednesday. I mean, we'll see what happens and see what uh, the Canadian government has to say about that. Um, How do you see this back half, these last 52 games in this NHL season, I mean, do you, do you do you think we're going to constantly be dealing with these postponements? Uh, do you think they're going to watch how the NFL is handling things and kind of maybe adopt some of the the tweaked COVID policies that they've massaged over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, so I think the the last thing the NHL wants to do is prolong the regular season. So I think they have a hard date on. I, what is it, April 29th or 30th is the last day of the regular season. I don't think they want to push that back. Like, that's going to be a total last resort. So they're going to try to squeeze in these makeup games during those, you know, the week and a half of that Olympic break at the end of it so that they do give players a little bit of rest, like that bye week we've seen in, in years past. And then they're going to try to sprinkle in those um, postponed games, you know, within the schedule when there, maybe a team has three days in between the game. they got to throw one in there. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, the fact that uh, the NHL told teams uh, not to schedule, I think this was at the beginning of the year, not to schedule any uh, concerts or events at their home buildings in the month of February as a potential backup option, Pat, but we know money talks, and teams were tempted, and they did book a lot of concerts and events, so the poor schedule makers have a, have a pretty um, tough decision on their hands as far as how they're going to handle all of this moving forward. But as far as the, the protocols go, the, the one hang-up is, you know, we've seen the NFL, they've started to reduce their testing for vaccinated players and asymptomatic players, whereas the NHL is increasing it. And that's because the Canadian health officials, I mean, I don't think they're going to prove something like that. Like, the, the fact that they even suspended cross-border travel before the holidays is a big indicator. So now, now when we're talking about you know, the eight Canadian teams versus the, the 24 here in the States, like that, that gets tricky. So I don't know what the correct answer is, Pat, but like the fact that we got to continue postponing games, like, I, you know, at some point we're just going to have to roll with it, right? Because I, I don't know how you contain um, this virus. And just as to follow up, they're going to, if, if they're going to try to roll with it, they're going to have to, uh, go to the AHL and, and, and create maybe a taxi squad situation. And maybe there's some uh, leniency as far as uh, cap hits and, and how they're going to do that. But 
And I know there's a trickle-down effect because all of a sudden you take five or six or seven guys from Rockford, they got to go to the East Coast Hockey League, bring those guys, and then, you know, and, and therefore somebody is is not going to have a full team. But as we said, money talks. The NHL is is a you know multi-billion dollar uh, corporation, and they got to keep these games going. And if that means financially taking care of the the different leagues that they decide to take players from, well, then so be it. Yeah, no, no question. And and one of the reasons why, obviously, the NHL backed out of the Olympics, um, obviously, is because it, it triggered the clause in, in the CBA that the, the schedule was materially affected. But uh, another big reason is the revenues are split 50-50 between the owners and players. So if the players went to the Olympics and there was three-week break and they, they couldn't squeeze in 82 games, now we're talking about the revenue not being there and the, it's going to come out of the players' pockets, right? So I think that's another reason why they need to, they need to get 82 games into this, into this season and you know preferably with, with fans in the building because we saw the Montreal Canadiens before the break played without fans and they lost $2 million in revenue in, on that game alone. Wow. So we, we, we need to get back to a normal schedule. And I agree, Pat, whether it's with taxi squads, we, we got to find a way to get this season finished in – you know, with with full buildings and all 82 games being played. Speaking of 82 games, you point out that uh, the team's on a 100-point pace under Derek King since he took over if uh, if he was coaching for 82 games. What what have you liked, either not just X's and O's wise, we know he delegates more to Mark Crawford and his staff. What have you liked and what do you still need to see from Derek King? Uh, you know, and I imagine the Blackhawks front office, um, you know, what what do they need to see more of to to make sure that uh, you know Derek King is is the man for the future if he, in fact he is? Yeah, well, I, I think the one thing we can all appreciate, media members uh, as well, is just the, the transparency with with Derek King, and that really trickled down from you know Derek to the players almost immediately. I mean, we saw them not playing with a weight on their shoulders when Derek came in, and he's like, well, you know, it's just hockey. We've been playing this game ever since we were little, so, so not trying to put pressure on themselves to play. And I think that's the one thing that it's, it's, it's a reason why the Blackhawks have a 100-point pace under him is because they've been playing you know, looser. And I know X's and O's, they're certainly not where they want to be. Uh, defensively, they've tightened up. Offensively, they still have a, a ton of struggles. But I think that, that that transparency with Derek King, players know where they stand with him and – when he's behind the bench, he's just got this laid-back attitude. So I think, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily the black. I don't know if I have any critiques of Derek King other than he's just an experience. Like he, every team that comes in, he he understands that, you know, when he's playing matchups, he still has to look over to Mark Crawford to see, like, okay, like they're throwing out that line that we need to make sure we throw Taves on the ice to make sure, you know what I mean? So it's just that kind of thing where uh, the the more he does it over time, the more he's going to get. Uh, more comfortable as as he sees other teams but we'll see what happens at the end of the season when they really conduct their full-on search but when when i interviewed kyle davidson um he said Derek king's gonna have a shot at the permanent gig last one for me and it's along the lines of how this this hockey ops department is going to be uh, reshaped well everybody's wondering what's going to go on at, at hallis hall the hawks have hired a sportsology executive mike ford who's got a a background in the Premier League. Explain a little bit uh, what his responsibility is here over the the coming weeks and kind of the outside-the-box uh, approach that the Blackhawks leadership group is taking. 
Yeah, so so Mike is uh, obviously as we, as we've known over the last week or two now in doing our research, he's a, a former Premier League executive. It was with Chelsea. Now, in 2013, he left Chelsea to to launch this sportsology firm. So it's a consulting firm, and it basically just dives into internal analysis and assessments for teams that hire his services, and it's very thorough. Like. A lot of the NBA teams, like the Sacramento Kings and, and the Pelicans, and um, he worked with the San Antonio Spurs and some of the Houston Rock. Like he's he's a very very highly recommended um, consultant for these teams looking to you know fill out their front offices. So I think the first step for him is he's basically gonna, he's performing an analysis uh, within the Blackhawks organization to figure out how they operate, talk to a bunch of players and staff and. Any, anyone you can think of inside the organization. And then it's kind of devising a plan as to how the, the front office is going to be structured and, and who some of those candidates should be. So I think networking is the first stop um, in, in the process, and then we'll see where it goes from there. But he, he signed to a one-year contract, so this process is going to be a while. It's not necessarily going to um, – now, I'm not necessarily saying the black, it, it's going to take him a full year to figure it out, but – they signed him to a one-year contract to, to really take his time on this process, and so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But the Blackhawks are in no rush to, to really get things going here. Great stuff. Keep up the excellent work, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you uh, hopefully this week when the Blackhawks get back to work. Yep. Thank you, guys, and have a merry Christmas. Same to you. That's Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago. Back to wrap up the hockey show on the other side. ESPN 1000 Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Back on the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Merry Christmas, everybody. And uh, the Blackhawks get back to work on Tuesday this week. And uh, hopefully they'll play Tuesday and Wednesday and then have a little uh, New Year's Day game in Nashville. Yeah, time will tell. Got to uh, hope that Santa brought some goals. They need some scoring. Uh, they also need to improve special teams right yeah. now. Charlie, Charlie mentioned if you're going to be kind of a hamstrung five-on-five, you've got to take advantage of the advantage. And uh, he talked about the power play needing to be better. Um, and I know, you know, again, it's it seems like they start to get a handle on one thing, like their five-on-five defense. And now the penalty kill is kind of MIA, right? right. I mean, 12 penalty, uh, power play goals allowed in the last eight games. They had nine in the first 22. Yeah. So if the power play isn't picking up the points you need, the goals you need from their man advantage, you certainly can't compound that with letting the, the penalty kill be as porous as it's been. And, and to, to see how the special teams is helping or hurting you, remember that uh, the, the, uh, the equation of basically adding the penalty kill percentage to your power play percentage. So right now they're at 77% on the PK, 19% on the power play that's 90 that's good for 96 you want to be north of 105 uh, obviously they were early on this season yep. they haven't been the last two months yeah so i mean it's it's great you see improvement and it passes the eye test and then you start thinking wait a minute you can't have that going south on you 
Thanks to our producer, Tyler Aki. Thank you to Charlie Romeliotis for joining us as well. Uh, we'll uh, reconvene on New Year's Day. Yep, and uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the rest of the Christmas Day, and uh, we'll talk then. That'll do it for the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Enjoy your Christmas, everyone. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. Did you miss something? Yeah, pretty sure you did. Podcasts are a click away on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000.